0: Father, uh, we do uh, once again today, Lord, we, we thank you for this time that we can gather together. Thank you, God, we have this building to get in out of the elements. Lord, that we have the freedom in this nation to gather together without any kind of of, uh, uh, things coming against us or, or any reprisals coming, Lord, that we can come, we can worship you, we can adore you, we can be built up. So I pray that as we're in your word, that God, it would strengthen us. That Lord, we wouldn't just read words off of a page, but God, we would spend time and we would understand this is you speaking to us. And Lord, let us hide these things in our heart, especially, I think of today, kind of going through some, some dates and different things, sometimes that, that gets a little bit kind of like, what does that have to do with anything? But Lord, I pray we'd hide it in our heart and we would know and understand that Our God's involved in our world. So bless this time, I pray, and Lord, use it in a mighty, mighty way. And we ask this in Jesus' name amen hey as we're going through Matthew chapter 24 we've been I've been using some terms and and going through different things as we as we've been doing it and now I want to stop maybe define those you know sometimes I forget there's people newer uh, to the faith that don't understand certain terms and you throw them out there and they're kind of like you know and sometimes I see and their eyes are like What is he talking about? You know, and they elbow somebody and stuff. So a couple things, kind of a a timeline, and, uh, you know, I believe, listen, I believe that the next event biblically to happen is the rapture. And I believe that could happen at any moment, any time, and, you know, we do that. So speaking of the rapture, some of you go, I don't even know what that is. I remember when we were first saved, uh, Gaynell and I were going to some people's house and, and uh, we went to this house and, and the couple there, they, they, uh, we sat down, and they go, are you guys pre-trib or post-trib? And, and I remember I told Gaynell, I don't know, what are we? Because she had been saved longer than me, so I didn't know what I was. So some of those terms, so let's talk about, let's talk about the end times timeline or eschatology, if you will. Hey, as I said, I believe, I believe the next event to happen is the rapture of the church. Now, because of that, we also have this thing called the tribulation. And I want to explain that a little bit. Daniel chapter 7, we, we are Daniel chapter 9, and the 70 weeks of Daniel, 69 of those have happened. It said 69 weeks, then the Messiah will be cut off. And the last week, meaning seven-year period, that last seven-year period is still to come. And it's appointed for Daniel's people and Daniel's city. Don't forget that because that's important. So that's what we call the tribulation a 70, a 70, a seven year period that God is going to once again work through Israel to restore Israel, to use Israel as an example to the world, and to judge the world. So there's a seven year period. Now, we believe, or I believe, that we will be raptured before that, and by being raptured, I mean we're going to be taken up out of here. We will just be sucked up, if you will, and 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 taken out. Now, some people, hey, and I'm uh, so I'm a pre-tribber, is what they call. I believe the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation. Now, there are some people who are very strong and believe the rapture is going to happen at the end of the tribulation. Post-tribbers, and, and they believe it's going to take place then. I have a couple issues with that. I was a post-tribber for a long time, and, I, you know, I have a couple issues. I brought them up already. One of them is post-tribbers are looking for the Antichrist, not the Christ, and they're always trying to figure out who he is. And I let you guys know last week, it's Clint Eastwood. We've all got that down and figured that out. So we know that. And you have to, you have to do a little bit of, of research to find out why it's Clint Eastwood. But, it, you know, so, hey, but post-tribbers believe it's going to happen then. My main problem with that has to do with the Married Supper of the Lamb. The Merried Supper of the Lamb is happening during the tribulation. So if you're a post-tribber, it's like a McDonald's drive-thru mill, you know? Because a post-tribber, you're going to go up and come right back with him. And I don't want no Big Mac for the Merried Supper of the Lamb. Like, I'm planning on sitting down and enjoying and, and being with him. So I am not a post-tribber. I understand those who are, and here's the good thing. God's not going to take us according to what we believe. I always tell post-tribbers, you're going to be so shocked when I'm right and you're wrong. You know, But he'll take you anyway. He's not going to leave you. And so those are the two main views. Then for a while, there was this thing called mid-trib. If you remember a couple weeks ago when we were studying, we said after three and a half years, and we'll talk about that in a minute, the, the Antichrist is going to break the covenant he made with Israel, which is what's going to trigger the whole tribulation. He's going to break that, and then it's going to get really, really nasty, and it's going to get intense with satanic forces coming and God bringing his judgment and it's going to get heavy so a lot of people said that's when it's going to happen before and and that that view's kind of waned and there's another view though that's sort of taken its place called the pre-wrath rapture There's a gentleman, Marv Rosenthal, has written extensively about it. And, and, uh, you know, I respect him. I read him when he was a pre-tribber and I've read his book on the pre-wrath rapture. And we've been getting a lot of emails. That's kind of resurfaced again. We get emails and and comments on our Facebook page. If you go on our Facebook page, there's someone that keeps going on there and commenting and saying how foolish we are, that here's how it's gonna happen and they have it laid out. So Marv believes that there's a time where, where God's wrath is being poured out uh, during the tribulation I tend to agree with them it's called in the very beginning because if you look at that seven year period, the very first seal is the beginning of God's wrath being poured out because Jesus is the one opening the seals. And Jesus is the one doing that. So that's my problem with that view. So you can you can choose those, you can study, you can be whatever you want to be. It's you know, it's okay. If you want to be wrong, you can choose one of the other two views, or you can be a pre-tribber and, and, and have that confidence. The reason I'm a strong pre-tribber is for this reason. If you're a pre-trib person, you believe that the rapture could happen at any minute, and you should live your life that way. I think it could happen. I, 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 listen, I, I, I joke around, but I am serious. I always pray that Jesus will come when I'm in a pulpit, because I'm usually not sinning when I'm in a pulpit. And, you know, it's kind of a I, I don't know about you guys. Do you want to get raptured if you're in the middle of some sin? Man, that would stink, wouldn't it? Like you're in the middle of some sin and, oh, Jesus, I didn't expect you right now, you know. It's like, it's like whoa, you know, you got to deal with that whole thing. Or, or you know, uh, sometimes you're having a discussion with your spouse, kind of a loud one. You don't want to get raptured right then, man. And, you know, you're up there and here's this cloud going on and people are asking, Jesus, who's that? Oh, it's those two. They're having a little discussion over there. Just leave them alone. I want, to be, I want to be ready for him. And I want to be in that place where I'm ready. So that's why I'm very strong about that opinion. Is the other, hey, all the other views, you've got time. With the pre-trib view, you don't have any time. It could happen at any moment. So having said that, now now I'm going to try and lay out kind of the timeline of end times. We, you know, theologians call it eschatology. So we're going to look at it. I'm going to give some things, and and hopefully this might clear it up, and then we'll get into the this part. But I wanted to clarify this before we went further in Matthew chapter 24. So again, as I said, the next event to happen is the rapture of the church. That's talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, and 1 Thessalonians chapter Chapter 4. You can read about those. Those are brought up there. So the church is raptured, and at the same time, and I'll, I'll put up scripture in a minute, at the same time as the church is raptured, there's going to be this deal maker, and there is going to be a person who makes a covenant with Israel to bring world peace. And it's going to look really good. And this guy's going to make a contract, if you will, with Israel for seven years. And that's Daniel chapter 9, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and Revelation chapter 13. He's going to make a deal with Israel. He's going to make a contract with Israel to set everything up. And that's what's really going to trigger the tribulation. And this person's going to be in power. And again, you can read, hey, for homework, as I've said several times during this study, read Revelation 6 through 16. Or 6 through the end, or all of Revelation 1 through the end. And if you read 6 through 16, do it at night in your backyard with the lights out, because it's always more exciting that way. And it makes you more ready for the rapture, too, as you read it that way. So listen, he makes this deal after three and a half years. He breaks the deal with Israel, he breaks the covenant with Israel, and uh, moves into Jerusalem and sets up his image in the temple and makes himself as though he's God. And again, some of these passages, Matthew 24, Zechariah 12, Revelation 13 and 19. Hey, you can read these and get the idea. He sets himself up as God. That's the abomination that causes desolation. Then things ramp up a little bit, so to speak, as far as the devastation that happens. But uh, hey, up to that point, people go, hey, it wasn't bad. Really? Up to that point, there's... I did the calculations a couple years ago in my head. I'm thinking there's like 1.5 billion people that die in the first half of the tribulation. Three and a half years, 1.5 billion people die. I think that's pretty intense. And it's gonna ramp up after that? It's crazy when you think about the things. So he breaks that covenant. He sets himself up. He begins to control the world and stuff. And then according to uh, 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 Zechariah and Revelation, they gather together and fight that battle we call Armageddon. They gather together with the Antichrist. They're going to fight against God. Jesus shows up, and I like to say it this way, in, in Revelation chapter 20, when Jesus shows up, it's game over. It's not a big battle. Listen, when Jesus comes, it's not like Jesus struggles in this battle. When Jesus shows up, it's done. It's over, And the battle's done. And in Revelation chapter 20, he comes and he sets up his kingdom. And then now his kingdom, he's going to reign and rule, according to Revelation chapter 20, for a thousand years. That's called the millennium. So now, listen, now you have some more theological uh, principles or theological ideas to deal with. Uh, when we talk about the millennium, there are people who are pre-millennial who believe that Jesus will come back at the beginning of the millennium. And then there are those who believe uh, post-millennial, and he comes back at the end of the millennium. And then you have a big group of people, mostly Reformed people, Calvinist type people, who are all-millennial. They don't believe, in, they don't even believe the millennial's the millennial. It's just all uh, allegorized, and they spiritualize all of it. So you have those. We, again, me, I shouldn't say we, I'm pre-millennial. I believe Jesus is coming back at the at the beginning, amillennial, listen, millennial, here's what they believe. We're going to make, the church is going to make things better and better and better and better so Jesus can come back to a perfect world. Ain't working, right? I mean, I checked, and the world's not getting better. It's getting worse, so I don't think we're going to make it better and better for him. And, and, you know, some people refer to that as dominion theology or kingdom now theology. And, uh, you know, I would, I would name some branches, but I might get in trouble. So you can just look that up, Google kingdom or dominion theology, and you'll find out the different sects of Christianity believe that. I believe Jesus has got to come back at the beginning. And here's the thing. Jesus has to rule and reign in Jerusalem. Why do I say that? Because that's what the Bible says. Listen, when God made the promises to David, he said that was gonna happen. That has to happen. That has to he has not ruled and reigned in Jerusalem. And hey, in his first coming, I would I would ask for a show of hands, but I believe most of you'd raise your hand. In his first coming, he literally physically fulfilled every prophecy about his first coming, right? Well, why wouldn't he literally physically fulfill every prophecy about his second coming? And one of those is he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. So I believe he's going to do that at the end of the thousand years. Oh, at the beginning of the thousand years, here's a great thing. Satan is bound up and stuck in a cave. Well, I'm just going to say it that way, in a pit. He's bound up in a pit. And so there's no satanic influence during that thousand years. That's kind of cool, huh? And all of the people entering into that thousand years, it's at the end of the tribulation when he comes and wins the battle. Everybody going into that is a believer. No unbelievers are allowed in because you do know people are gonna get saved during the tribulation, right? Mostly Jews, some Gentiles, and some Gentiles will survive, not very many. Some will survive. So listen, they go into the millennium, and then they begin to procreate. They begin to have families. They set things up. They're gonna live longer, and it's gonna be 1,000 years. At the end of that 1,000 years, they're gonna let Satan loose. And man, once again, is going to rebel against God. That's crazy. For a thousand years, they've had a perfect ruler. They've had a perfect world. They've had no outside evil influence. And yet, at the end of that thousand years, they're going to rebel against God. Do you know what that tells me? The issue is the heart. Not our environment. Not outside influence. The issue is the heart. They're going to rebel against God. Jesus is going to squash that real quick. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So there we are, right? So some of you can wake back up because you went to sleep during that because you didn't care or you've heard it before. So come back now. So that's letting, getting us all kind of into the, quote, eschatology, and it has to do some of what we're looking at here today. So... Jesus, if you remember, he's told them about everything that's gonna happen, the abomination that causes desolation, desolation, you guys run, you guys hide, you get out of town, you get out of here, and we've talked about that. Then he says, hey, do not believe if they say the Christ is here or the Christ is there, for when the Son of Man comes, he's gonna come like lightning flashing from the east to the west, right? He laid all of that out. Now look at verse 29, and it says, immediately, you might underline that, immediately after the tribulation of, Of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Hey, it sounds like a pretty catastrophic event going on, right? This is when Jesus comes back, and here's what He's saying: You're not going to miss it. Hey, you're going to have lightning. You're going to have the sun kind of blinking, kind of losing its power. The moon's not going to shine. A lot of stuff going on, and it's kind of funny now. Sometimes, you know, the moon does weird things on some of the full moons, and people are going, is it happening? No, it's not happening, right? And and so listen, man, he says that's going to happen. From further homework, again, you can read uh, Luke 21. It's a parallel of this. Or you can read, as I said, Revelation 6 through 16, kind of get the idea of what's going on. But all of that's going to take place It was foretold by Joel, Isaiah, Haggai. These guys have prophesied about this. And remember, when the Old Testament prophets prophesied, they would prophesy about the first coming take a breath go right into the second coming and it was hard to tell which one are they talking about and tell our time frame and we have things to see and then sometimes they would talk about the second coming of the second coming and I'll talk about that in a minute because Jesus is going to come for his church and then he's going to come back to the world And and stuff. So, as we say that, these guys prophesied about it. They laid it out. Jesus said, hey, this is what's going to happen. Verse 30 says, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Great glory likes to say with power and great glory. But it's not with great glory, it's with great glory he's coming. And some of you don't get that, and that's okay, some of you do. And, uh, you know, I always crack up, because if you ever hear him read that, he goes, he's going to come with power and great glory. And I'm going, that's not what it says. (laughs) Although he will come with great glory, because we're all going to come back with him, right? But listen, man, he says, says, hey, the Son of Man is going to come, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. The tribes of the earth are going are gonna to look at the one whom they've pierced. And, and again, a couple passages, Revelation 16, and men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God. And Zechariah says, I'll pour out on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they've pierced. And again, those are some of the scriptures I told you to look at. So, hey, it's gonna make an impact and he's gonna come in the clouds. Here's what I kind of like. For homework, you can check out these. Acts, Acts 1. I love in Acts 1. Remember in Acts 1, Jesus leaves? And remember what the disciples are doing? Where'd he go? They're like a little freaked out, right? And remember what the angel says to them? Hey guys, what are you doing? Why are you looking? And he goes, you need to know something. The same way that he went up, He's going to come back in the clouds, right? Acts chapter 1. He's going to come back that way. It's not going to be different. In Revelation chapter 1, it says the same thing. He's going to come in the clouds. And what amazes me in Acts chapter 1, just read Acts chapter 1 for homework is what we're doing. What are we doing here? If you remember back in chapter or verse 3, it said the disciples asked these questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus is answering that. What will be the sign of your coming? He says, Hey, the sign of my coming, here's what I like. The sign of my coming is my coming. Don't you like that? You want the sign of my coming? It's when I come. That will be the sign of my coming. And because it's going to be obvious. And then he says this in in, in verse 31. And he will send his angels with a great sound of trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds uh, uh, from uh, one end of heaven to the other. So they're going to come. They're going to gather the elect. Now, I believe the elect here is talking about Israel, not the church. I don't believe the church is gonna be at the end of the tribulation. There will be tribulation saints, but not the church. The church, we're gonna be having a married supper of the Lamb. We're gonna be hanging out, having a feast with Jesus while this is going on. Some people go, you mean we're not gonna watch the tribulation? You want to? Like, I don't wanna watch that. I would much rather be eating with Jesus and enjoying the the married supper of the Lamb. So he's gonna gather them, and then, verse 32 he gives them a parable to help them understand. Look at, he says, Now, learn, th- learn this parable from the fig tree. When its, branches has, has, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, I'm a simple guy. I'm not a brainiac. I'm not a scholar. And I read that, and I think it's kind of plain. I read that, and here's what, here's what I get. When the branches of a fig tree gets tender and it puts on its leaves, I know summer's coming. I mean, don't you read that? I mean, do most of you read that and get it that way? Oh, there's those who make this so complicated and so complex. You need the special decoder ring to figure out what Jesus, listen, Jesus is not giving an allegory. He's given an analogy. And well, look at the next verse. And we'll talk about this for a minute. He says, so you also, verse 33, when you see all these things, you will know that it is near and at the door. Here's what he's saying. Just like when you look at a fig tree and you know that it's summertime, so when you see all these things, what's all these things? From verse four all the way to verse 28, when you see all those things, here's what you're gonna know. Jesus is coming real soon, like he's probably almost halfway here. When you see all these things, so all he's saying is look at a fig tree and hey, Jews are very familiar with fig trees, even today. Now if you look at my fig tree, you won't know summer's coming because it's a dork. I told Gaynell we need to just pull that thing up. And now she's trying to restore it. Usually I'm the one trying to fix it. No, honey, I think it's gonna make it. I said, okay, I'm ready, I'm done. So my fig trees don't tell you this, but normal fig trees tell you that's what's happening. And Jesus says, just like we know, listen, just like we know from nature, and we know certain things are gonna happen, so when you see these things, you know what's going to happen. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. And I think that's pretty simple. Well, the next verse is what throws people off. And then in verse uh, 34, he says this. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, again, I'm a simple guy. I think that could be understood pretty simply. Oh, but they make it so complicated because he brought up the fig tree. You see, Jesus brought up a fig tree. And so, again, the people who love to spiritualize things and complicate things, by the way, when somebody really complicates the Bible for you, be careful. God wrote the New Testament in what we call Koine Greek, which was the, modern, or the, the common language, not classical Greek that the, you know, that the scholars used. He used everyday language when it was written. God wants us to understand the word. He's not making it complex. He's not making us get a decoder. Well, we kind of have to have a decoder ring. Here's your decoder ring. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. You have to have that to understand the spiritual things. I get that. But man, they make it complicated. So, so you know, I read one guy page after page after page, and he says, you have to understand the fig tree in verse 32 stands for Israel. And the tender part and the budding, Understand? you need to understand, happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation and it began to bud. and And so that's what Jesus is referring to. And when he says, this generation will not pass away, he's talking about the generation that was there in 1948 is not going to pass away until Jesus comes. There's a few complications with that. You know, I mean, it, it was kind of good like pre-80, pre-1980. It's kind of fun to look at that. But now, hey, we're way past 1980, right? Some, not Some of you are looking at me like, really? Yeah, we're, we're in the year like 2019. So, hey, so they would do that. And then they would say, okay, when when Israel became a nation and budded, then that generation will not pass away until Jesus comes back. Well, if you do a 40-year generation, that happened in 1988. Now you know why the guy wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 88, right? And so, hey, that didn't happen, so that didn't work out. So then they go, oh, wait, 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 wait. I always love it when they do this. Wait, it wasn't when they became a nation. It was in 1967 when they took control of Jerusalem and that green line was no longer in Jerusalem and they got control of the city. And therefore it was 1967. Well, that was good until 2007, 40 years, right? With 67 makes, makes it 2007. Well, 2007 came and went. So then they did, then it gets, now here's where it gets complicated. Got to put on your thinking caps, okay? So that didn't work out real well for him. So here's what they said. No, what you need to do is go back to the beginning of Matthew. And if you go back in the beginning of Matthew, and there's uh, the different generations, right? And in all, there's 42 generations listed. There's 14 uh, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the captivity, 14 from captivity to Jesus. So you got, you got these uh, 42 generations. So what you have to figure out when he's talking biblical generations, and some of you wake up, come on, pay attention. So what you got to do is you got to figure out when, when Abraham was alive. So somebody did that. I don't know how they did that. So 2160 BC was when Abraham was alive. So 2,160 years until Jesus came the first time, right? Because that's these generations, right? From Abraham to Jesus was was these 42 generations. So you take 2160, you divide it by 42, and you get 51.4 years. So... If you do 51.4 years and you add that to 1948, it doesn't quite work out for everybody because that means he came in 1999.4. Well, that didn't work. So, hey, people were excited till last year because if you do it to the 1967 number, you come up with 2018.4. So then, since that didn't work out, is this getting complicated isn't it easier just to believe the Bible? So listen, now, since that didn't work out, here's said, no, you guys don't understand. You don't get it. A Biblical generation is 100 years. Now, I don't, someone just pulled that up. So for those of you who are younger, let us know what happens in 2048. I don't think I'm going to be here in 2048, but some of you younger people, you'll be here, you know, and, and kind of let us know if he comes on that date or if it's even further than it's 2067. You know, we got some time to wait. And I, here's what I think. Why do you do all of that? Well, part of it is this reason. When he says, this generation, is he talking to that generation he's speaking to? Well, it can't be that because all these things didn't happen. Can't be that generation. What is he talking about? I think it's pretty simple to do it this way. This generation means the generation that sees the beginning of these things will not pass away till these things happen. That generation that's alive, hey, if you're alive when that signature happens and that antichrist signs the pact with israel you're gonna be here till the end now he's not guaranteeing every single person but you know what i mean I think that's the easiest way to interpret it. We can also interpret it, as we, as we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago, we can even interpret it as the Jewish nation will be here. But I think the easiest thing, this generation, he's talking to a group of people and he's telling them what's gonna happen. He goes, that generation that sees that is gonna be here and they will not pass away till these things take place. And then verse 35 is important. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Jesus guarantees, that all of this stuff is going to happen. So when people tell me, I'm not really sure I believe that, then you're saying you don't believe God. And Jesus just said, hey, everything may pass away, but not my words. Now he kind of throws a monkey wrench in their thinking. I don't think so much in our thinking. Look at verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. Some of your translations have, nor the son, but my father only. But of that day, of what day? Not the day when Jesus comes back and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. He can't be talking about that. Why? Because if you know Daniel and you know when that covenant is broken and the abomination that causes desolation, you can count 1,290 days and Jesus is coming back. So he can't be talking about. What is he talking about? He's talking about when he comes for his church. The secret coming, so to speak. When he comes for his church, hey, there's not going to be a lot of fanfare. The biggest fanfare when Jesus comes for his church is a whole bunch of people are going to go missing. Hallelujah, huh? Some of you aren't too excited. Come on, it's going to be great. He's going to suck us up out of here. I think I told you, and, and uh, it's a part of the New Age movement in Bisbee. Some of the people there I know, they, they've already figured out a, a plan for that. Hey, when the church gets raptured, here's their answer. Mother Earth got so sick of us Christians, she puked us off. And I'm thinking, I don't care what you call it. We're out of here, right? So, hey, we're going to get... and. No one knows that day or hour. No one can predict that. No one can tell us when that's happened. It cracks me up. Whenever anybody does one, you know, Jesus is going to come get his church on this day. I secretly inside think, I hope they're right. But I also know you can't predict that day or hour. It's kind of funny. Don Stewart, a friend, he's come here a few times. Don Stewart says anytime someone sets a date, he knows Jesus is definitely not coming on that date because he says nobody knows the day or hour. So listen, nobody knows he lays that out and gives that and then he says this. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be uh, so also will the coming of the son of man be for as in the days before Underline that, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Before the flood, before the tribulation, the Son of Man is going to come and take his church. And just like, hey, trust me, people during the tribulation, They're going to be a little bit dense, but they're not going to be ignoring what's going on. 1.5 billion people die. That's going to get some attention. People are going to be understanding. But, hey, up until that time, people are going to be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They're going to be acting like nothing's wrong, just like they were in the days of Noah. Noah's there building the ship, right? You can check out. You can check out these uh, uh, Second Timothy, Second Thessalonians, Second Peter uh, Revelation about all of this. And, and you know what, 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 what amazes me is, is Noah, 120 years he was working on that boat. Think about that. And people would come by and go, "Dude, what are you building in your garage?" <laughs> building a boat. What's a boat? Oh, you're going to wish you knew what a boat was, man. in a little while. Let me tell you, man, a flood is coming. What's a flood? Hey, it had never rained. And it hadn't flooded. And Noah's trying to tell him, and people are going, "Man, what a crackpot. Why did I have to buy the house next door to Noah? Why did I have to be here? You got this crazy man building this thing and, and he's a looney tune and now I'm next to him and he's doing these things and nobody believed him and people were eating and drinking. Hey, today, today, I challenge you guys, just go out on the street, unbelievers, and start talking about the rapture. They're probably gonna get you a reservation in a certain hospital. Say <laughs> like, we gotta put you away and get you out of here. People were eating and drinking. They were carrying on as usual, business as usual. Now, some people say they were getting, you know, they were getting corrupt, and that's what Timothy and and Thessalonians talk about. People are getting corrupt. Yeah, I I, I see that they're getting corrupt, but they're not looking. They're not looking for anything to happen. And so he says, hey, just like that, that's going to, you know, take place just like in Noah. And then verse 40 says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken in the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken in the other left. Watch, therefore, listen, watch, therefore, for you do not know at what hour your Lord is coming. Pay attention. Now, verses 40 and 41, some people say, I, I believe it's talking about the rapture. I believe people are going to be side by side and you might be right beside somebody and you're, you're going to be taken and they're not or they're going to be taken and you're not depending on, you know, if you're saved or not. And I believe, listen, I believe that's what he's talking about. Other people say, no, he's talking about people taken away to judgment. And that could be, but I, I lean more towards that. Hey, there was a great song way, way back. There was a, there was a guy early, 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 early contemporary Christian music. Actually, the, uh, the father of contemporary Christian music. Guy named Larry Norman. I love Larry Norman. What a crackpot. This guy had long, long hair and a squeaky voice, and his songs were goofy most of the time. But hey, he's a guy who, hey, brought contemporary music to the church. And Larry Norman has this song. Check it out. YouTube this, man. I wish we'd all been ready. I love that song. And don't, don't let anybody else sing it to you. Make sure you get Larry because other people don't do it, do it justice because they've got to have that squeaky voice and stuff going on. And Pastor Rob disagrees with me. He goes, man, I hate Larry Norman's voice. And I said, well, you know, you're wrong. Like Larry Norman's one of my heroes. And, and so Pastor Rob may do that when we close. I was teasing him and say, but I said, you got to kind of squeak like Larry. But anyway, hey, I wish we'd all been, one's going to be taken, one's going to be left. And he says, be, here's the thing. Watch therefore, for you do not know. Here's what he's saying Are you ready? Are you ready right now? Are you ready for Jesus to come back at this moment? Because that's where we need to be. Then he gives the analogy again. He says, but know this, that if a master of the house had known, in verse 43, had known what hour the thief would come, he would have uh, watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not know. Not too many people who are robbing your house call you up and say, hey, does 12 work for you? It works good for me. They don't do that, do they? Because you know you would be there, right? It doesn't, and it's like, well, duh, but Jesus is like trying to explain. You would be ready for that, but here's what Jesus said, I'm coming back. Get ready. When are you coming? Just be ready. Just be ready. And then he, he he tells us again about faithfulness, verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. Hey, are you are you busy about the Lord's work right now? Because he's gonna show up. Are you busy with the gifts and the talents he's given you? And that does Does't mean listen, that doesn't always mean you're going to be doing something publicly or something big. Hey, if God has called you to whatever God has called you to, you need to be doing that. Now I think this personally, I take this personal for pastors. us pastors, we're supposed to feed people. We're supposed to feed people, make sure they're nourished, make sure they're ready, and do that. and I take that very serious. That's why I teach the Bible and not, you know, Pat Lazovich stuff. And some of you are going, dude, you did some of it today. You're talking about a pre-trib thing. That's okay. Chill out. You'll be fine. But hey. I want to feed you. He says, are you feeding? Are you making sure that's going to happen? I want to be that faithful servant, the unfaithful servant, verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour when he is not aware of and he will cut him, into, cut him in two and appoint him, or appoint him his portion with the hypocrites there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth wow that doesn't sound good I don't even like verse 51 it sounds horrible because the reality of eternity without Christ is horrible and he's saying man are you going to be on which side are you going to be on you can be on one side or the other you have a choice today you're either going to be with Jesus or without Jesus, it's that simple. And we need to understand that. And he says, judgment is coming. When Jesus comes the second time, he's coming as a judge. And it has been well said that the greatest lie, I think to humanity, but maybe especially to the church, isn't that there is no God, that's not a big deal and it isn't even there is no hell. The greatest lie to the church and to humanity is there is no hurry. He's coming back, and he can come back at any moment. He could come back today before we all get home, and we need to know that. Are you ready? Are you ready right now? If you saw him right now, would you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or would you hear, man, what were you doing to my people? How come you were doing that? And I don't wanna face that, and I don't think any of us do. It's not gonna be, you're not gonna be judged for your sin if you're in Christ, your sin's taken care of, but you will be judged for what you do with what he's given you. Are you using it? Are you busy with it? That's the question. So let's get back to the bottom, bottom, bottom line. Are you ready? And by that I don't mean you're gonna go home, get on a trampoline and do rapture practice. I mean, are you ready in your heart right now for him to come? Are you expecting him? Do you wake up in the morning? Do you ever wake up in the morning and go, wow, we're still here. What are we doing here? I thought we'd be gone by now. We should be expecting him at any moment. Let's stand up and pray.